Well, hey friends, good morning. Great to be with you. My name is Ethan Magnus, one of the pastors here, and so glad that you're here. If you're a guest with us this morning, you are in the right place. Uh, we're wrapping up our series, Jesus of Nazareth, CPA. Uh, we, we've just been recognizing that so many of us are stressed out, worried, and troubled by our finances, trying to figure out how do we handle them in a way that honors God and gives glory to God. So we heard there was a new CPA in town, and we thought we'd just schedule some appointments and talk to them a little bit. Let's see, we've, we've talked about uh, the truth that God owns everything and we are God's stewards. And then last week we talked about the truth that as God's stewards, we want to be strategic in how we manage God's wealth. We don't want to be foolish or spontaneous, acting on impulse, but we want to have a strategy. We talked about one of the strategies for managing God's wealth is that generosity comes first and that we give proportionally to how God has given us, given to us. And this week, in our third session with this new CPA who's offering us a different way to think about our finances, uh, the message is really simple. It's a geometry message. If that's what you were looking for today, that's what you're going to get. Uh, the message is this, Christian generosity has a shape. There's a shape to generosity. There's a geometry to generosity. Now, before I show you the shape, I want to find it with you in the text. If you've got a Bible with you, or maybe there's one in the pew in front of you, or if you've got a phone or an iPad or something like that, you can pull it up there. We're going to spend a little time in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, one of the most comprehensive places where God's Word teaches on the life of of Christian generosity. We've looked at it a couple times already in this series. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 6. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. The one who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. I love that text. There's so many details in that text, but one of my favorites, it's just worth mentioning, he ends with this phrase, 
thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. But it's clear from that text, the gift is not what God has given to you. The gift is that God would let us participate in God's generosity. The gift is that we got to give to others. I remember very clearly the first time that I systematically uh, studied this class. I was in Sunday school as a boy, and the the reason I remember it so clearly is we had a guest teacher that day in Sunday school, and the guest teacher was my dad. So I very clearly remember this because, like most teenagers, I was not exactly thrilled that my dad was the guest teacher in my Sunday school class that day. But we were talking, we were teaching our way through Corinthians, and he showed up and he said, Today I want to tell you about the geometry of generosity. And so even though it was my dad and I wasn't too excited about that, I was really into math at the time so he had my attention and and we read this text together and then he showed us a drawing it wasn't exactly like this but something like this and he said this is what the geometry of generosity looks like he he said that that uh, apart from the the truth of scripture when we think of generosity we just think of that bottom line we have some stuff And if we're a nice enough person, we give it to something else, someone else, or to a a mission, or to a church, or to a person, or to a nonprofit, or something. We have stuff, and we give it. And so the the geometry of the world's view of generosity is just a line. I have stuff, and you give it to you. In fact, if you want to be technical, it's a line segment, you know, okay, so with two points on each end. He says, but this is not the geometry of Christian generosity. He says the geometry of Christian generosity is it's a triangle. And after I had this image, I've gone back and looked at this text and other texts, and he's exactly right. Every time God's Word talks about our generosity, it always talks about it in terms of a triangle. Our generosity does not start with our generosity. It starts with God's provision to us. It always starts with God. Go all the way back to the first time Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. Where did that start? With God providing Abraham with his wealth. It always starts with God's provision and then our generosity and it always results in worship. We just saw that in this text over and over, over again. He says, your generosity leads to overflowing thanksgiving to God. Your generosity leads to the su- celebration of the surpassing grace of God. Your generosity overflows in their prayers to God. This is the geometry of generosity. God provides. We are generous with what God provides. And this overflows in worship. And what's interesting is that Paul suggests that every leg of the geometry of generosity has the same posture. Every move of the geometry of generosity is marked by gratitude and celebration. You can go ahead and put that in there. You're fine. Good. Yeah, there it is. Every leg of the geometry of generosity is marked by gratitude and celebration. I just want to look at that with you a little bit because it's worth noticing this. The first leg is the easiest one, right? I think we kind of get that our response to God's provision would be gratitude and celebration. 
Psalm 107, let us give thanks to the Lord for God's unfailing love and God's wonderful deeds for humankind. For God satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. When God provides what we need, I think we all, we don't always practice it, do we? But we all know when God provides what we need, we ought to respond with gratitude and celebration. Uh, the, The single most common spiritual discipline in at least the American church, I can't speak for the whole world, but I don't know if you know, think about what you think. What's the single most common spiritual discipline for at least the American church? It's not Bible reading. A lot of us do that, but a lot of us don't. You know, The most common spiritual discipline is prayer before meals. More people do that than any other spiritual discipline, and that's awesome. Don't stop doing that. Why do we pray before meals? We pray because we recognize that God's provision should be met with our gratitude and celebration. I hope that every time you take a bite of anything, some little part of your soul says to God, thank you so much that you've kept me alive another day. Thank you so much that I've got food on the table and something to drink. This isn't something everybody can take for granted. Thank you, God, that you have provided. Maybe we should start doing that. I don't know. I was thinking as we think about, I I try to pray for every meal. I got thinking maybe I should pray for every paycheck, you know. Every time I get the envelope, thank you, God, that I've got a job that's feeding my family. I'm so grateful for this. Every sale you make, if you're in sales, thank you, God, that you provided Yet again, because here's the thing, just because this leg is the easiest one, it's the easiest to keep an attitude of gratitude and celebration in light of God's provision, just because it's the easiest doesn't mean we don't sometimes forget it. In fact, sometimes we get proud of our wealth, don't we? Sometimes we encounter God's provision in our life, and instead of being grateful to God and celebrating God, we think, I deserved it. I earned it. That's mine. I had that coming. Why should I be grateful for what I worked for? Why should I celebrate for what belongs to me? We saw last week, though, that the Bible is full of warnings, quite serious warnings for people who forget to be grateful for what God has provided. Go look back. We look together at Deuteronomy 8. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord. And that text goes on with some pretty severe warnings for those who forget to be grateful for God's provision. The first leg of the triangle is this. When God provides... We respond with gratitude and celebration because we are witnesses to God keeping God's promise. His promise that we would be enriched in every way so that we could be generous on every occasion. And when God provides for your life, God is keeping that promise in your life. So be grateful and celebrate. Which brings us to the second leg of the triangle. Generosity. And just as our posture in light of God's provision is a posture of gratitude and celebration, our posture in our generosity is meant to be one of gratitude and celebration. 
Paul writes, each one of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, but God loves a cheerful giver. And God will bless you abundantly so that in all things and at all times, having all you need, you'll be on every good work. Now, this one is a little more counterintuitive, you know? I think we all get why our posture in light of God's provision should be gratitude and celebration. But, it, but why our posture in our generosity? Why do we have to be generous with an attitude of gratitude and celebration? Isn't it enough that we give, right? Isn't it enough that we kind of pay our dues or pay our tithe? Do we also have to feel good about it? Well, actually, God's word says yes, that we ought to be grateful for the chance to be generous and celebrate every chance. Do you know the old story about the little kid eating French fries? I have no idea where this story came from. I even tried to figure out where the story came from. I've heard it from so many preachers now. It's got lost in the fate of myths. But just in case you don't know it, I'm going to tell it. I, I can't find the source. If you know the source, you tell me. Uh, but the story goes like this. Uh, a father takes his son out for lunch at a classy place like McDonald's, something like that, you know. Kids in elementary school, something like that. And the father buys them both burgers, and he orders one li large fry. He figures they can share it, right? They sit down at the table, and the kid's got his burger, and dad's got his burger, and dad kind of sets the fries on his son's side because he figures his arms are longer, that'll be easier. So he takes a couple bites of his burger, and then he reaches over and grabs a fry. And he's reaching over, Lightning McQueen sitting there aside, grabs those fries and pulls them out of his hands. He says, Dad, these are my fries. And Dad's like, what? Those are your fries. What do you mean those are your fries? I just bought you those fries. And his brain, he's just getting all fired up. What have I done? I failed as a father. My kid won't even share his French fries with me. What is going on? And in the middle of this, he, two things happen. One, he has a moment of realization about how he sometimes thinks about generosity when he needs to give away what's his. And he says to God, you don't understand. God, those are my fries. And then the second thing he does, he figures out a trick. He says to his son, he says, I need you to share those fries. But I don't want you to be grumpy about it. So here's what I'm going to do. As long as you share your fries joyfully and happily and eagerly, I'll make sure you don't run out of fries. So dad reaches his hand out real slow, and he can see the wheels are turning in his little kid's brain. And as his hand goes out slow, his kid kind of gets a big smile on his face, and he pushes those fries over, and dad grabs a fry, and kid smiles. Dad grabs another, kid smiles. Kid's just sitting there watching his dad eat all his fries. He's got about three left. Kid looks in there and says, Dad, I'm almost out of fries. His dad says, okay, I'll be right back. He gets up, and he goes and buys another fry. He sets it down. By this point, the kid is freaking out because he knows how this game is played. Kid jumps up out of the booth, grabs the french fry, and starts walking around the restaurant. He says, here, do you want some fries? Hey, how about you? Do you want some fries? He says, I got extra fries. He leaves a whole thing of fries on some guy's table, comes back to his dad. Dad. 
I'm out of fries. Now, by this point, dad knows he is in trouble. They do this two or three fries more, and then he gets the kid distracted, and they go home. But, but what happened is the kid, the son, learned a tiny bit about generosity that day. He did. But who really learned something about generosity that day was the dad. And obviously, when you hear a story from this many preachers, I don't know if this ever happened or not. I have no idea if it's even a true story. But the point's pretty clear, right? It wasn't that the son learned something new about generosity. It was that the dad did. This is how God calls us to be generous. He says, just give away your fries. I'm the guy who provides fries. If I need you to have more fries, I will give you more fries. You don't have to be stingy with the fries. This is what Paul teaches to the Ephesian church. He's, Paul uh, planted this church in Ephesus. Well, not exactly planted it, but helped it get started. And he's been there three years. And as he's leaving, he gathers the elders of the church to focus on a few important issues. And one, he's, he's only got like 20 minutes with them. And one of the things he wants to remind them is this. In everything I did, I showed you by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than receive. And I just want to tell you, if you don't know yet that those words are true, you are missing out on one of the best things of life. If you don't know yet that it is more fun to give than receive, you are missing out. If you don't know yet that it is more fun to donate than to get donated to, you are missing out on some of the fun of life. If you don't know yet it's more fun to give a great Christmas present than it is to get a great Christmas present, you are missing out on some of the fun of life. I remember very clearly one of the first times I got to experience this lesson. It was just such a super fun day. Um, I was 11 or 12, I forget how old I was, but it was one of these situations where I was getting dropped off at the movie theater by my parents to go see a movie with friends. You know, so I wasn't quite independent, but we were just beginning to experience some of that independence you do when you're a young kid there. And so my parents were dropping me off and we were going to meet up with some buddies and go to the movie. And we had just previously spent some time with my grandparents, uh, my dad's dad. And one of the things that was true about my dad's dad was he liked to treat everybody. It didn't matter. If there could be 100 people there, he'd be like, supper's on me for whatever we were doing. The tickets are on me. He loved to just treat everybody. And God had blessed him, so he was able to be generous in that way. And so we were going to this thing, and I said to my dad, I said, Dad, could you give me lots of money for snacks today? And, of course, the normal answer to that question was no in my household. So I wasn't expecting a yes, but it was just a weird enough question. And he paused. He said, why do you need lots of money for snacks? Don't you just need enough for popcorn? I said, I don't know why, Dad, but I really want to be able to buy everybody's snacks today. Could, could you give me just lots of money so I could buy everybody's snacks today? I had no idea where this conversation was going. I don't even know why I asked the question. But to my great surprise, he said, well, don't get used to it, but okay, sure. If there's any change, bring it back. And he handed me this huge wad of 20s. I don't know how much it was. Probably it was 40. But anyways, it felt like a lot of money to me, right? 
And so I, I run in, and we've all already got our tickets because the parents had to do that part, you know. And I run in and said, I'll buy anybody who wants popcorn, popcorn. Of course, a few more people than my friends heard it. I was like, no, 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 I just met these four people here. Don't y'all get excited. But, but anyways, but I just, it was the coolest moment of that whole year. I got to buy four people popcorn and sodas, the movie theater with free refills, and I did it, and I gave it to them, and and my dad made that possible. And, and that's what Christian generosity is supposed to feel like. We get to give it. We get to do it. We get to bless. And our dad makes it possible for us to do that. I hope, I hope those of you who give, and I know so many of you give so generously to our church, I hope you love giving to the church. I just tell you, I love giving to the church. I, 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 I penny pinch about every other dollar. You can ask my kids, dad, can we do this? Oh, I don't know. Can we do this? I don't know. But dad, we need more money for church. I'm in. I love it. Sometimes people ask, why, why should we give to the local church? Or why do you like giving to the local church? I hear, here, I'll just be real simple. Here's why I love giving to my local church, this local church. I give to this church because I want to feed homeless people. And we do that every Sunday night in a super effective ministry down in West Maine. I give to this church because I want teenagers to have their life turned around by Jesus Christ. And this church funds scholarships so the kids can go out on, on retreats. And the money I give to this church does that. I give to this church because I want people freed from addiction. We've watched dozens of people get freed from addiction through the ministries of this church this year. And you're, it would, just wouldn't happen without your generosity. I give to this church because I want to teach children that God loves them and that God has huge plans for their life and they can outgrow whatever obstacles hold them back now and they can fulfill the full purpose of God. And we do that in every, all sorts of venues. And why are those venues so cute and beautiful and attractive and got all the right fluffy things and all the kids need? Well, because of your generosity. And I'm going to keep giving to a ministry like that. I, I give to this church because I want to launch new churches. You know, we've talked before and you know, we're heading in the wrong direction on that in our country. We've got churches closing their doors. We need to open up a few. And we're doing it, doggone it. We've, we've, we've planted together four churches just since I've been here. And y'all were planting churches before I came. I give to this church because I want to foster communities of love and support. And I see that as we're launching new small groups and new Sunday school classes. And our existing ones are growing and strengthening. I want to train up new leaders. I want to support the broader local community. I want to bless Johnson City. We hosted the jazz concert um, just Friday night. It was awesome. Some of you came and greeted for it. Thank you for that. I want to care for people in times of grief. I want to meet people when they are sick. I want to offer counseling and love and support to families in distress. Here's what I figured out a long time ago with my finances. Everything I love most in the world is done best by the local church. And so for me, when I get to give to my local church... You know, when Paul says God loves a cheerful giver, or we say often in our offering, don't give out of obligation. The reason we say that is because we're the little kid with the french fries, running around McDonald's, getting to pass out fries. Can our father just say, okay, I got more fries. I got more fries. I hope you love giving to the local church, because I hope that the local church expresses what, we, what matters to us most, caring for the poor, proclaiming the gospel. Caring for people in distress. That's the second leg of the triangle, of the geometry of generosity. We receive God's provision, 
with gratitude and celebration. We give generously with gratitude and celebration. And the result of that, of our receiving from God and giving to God's purposes, is worship with gratitude and celebration. Paul says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And I'll just tell you, that is just the way I felt toward my father when he gave me 40 bucks so I could be, buy my friend's popcorn. I could not believe my God, my dad had given me 40 bucks so that I could bless my friends like that. And I got to stand in the middle of that triangle. And they were hooting and hollering about free popcorn. And the same thing is true for us every day of our lives. We worship God because because our God has so richly blessed us that we can be the agents of God's generosity in the world. Psalm 100 says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture and I do hope some mornings when we worship you do just get to shout to God to say God I cannot believe that you would have so richly blessed me so that I could richly bless others and together praise could go up for your name how could we be so lucky that God would put us in the middle of that beautiful experience I was a teenager, we had a guest Sunday school teacher, I was not too excited about it, it was my dad. But he did tell me about a shape uh, that I have not forgotten, that Christian generosity has a geometry to it, it's shaped like a triangle. God provides and we are grateful. We get to be generous on God's behalf and we are grateful. And this results in worship and praise to our Heavenly Father. And we are grateful. This is the life your new CPA suggests for you. Not a life of scraping by in fear. Not a life of hoarding your wealth and watching your coffers grow. Always sure it's for you, not for others. But no, a life of trusting God enough to believe that if you need more fries to give away, he will get you more fries. Trusting God enough to believe that God will provide for you, that God will keep his promise to enrich you in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and believing and then over time bearing witness to the truth that our generosity on behalf of God overflows in worship and praise to our God. And in every moment, as you receive God's provision, as you give God's generosity, as you overflow in worship in every moment, we do this with a posture of gratitude and celebration for the goodness of our God. Let's pray. Gracious God, we are so overwhelmed that you would invite us into this miracle 
This miracle of your provision, this miracle of your generosity, and this miracle of your glory. Thank you, God, that you have so deeply provided for our needs that we can in turn be generous to others. We thank you for this great local church that we get to be a part of which is using your money, God, by your priorities for your glory, and we're so glad that we can give to it. God, mostly, we thank you that you keep your promises to provide for our needs so that we can abound in the good works of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.